buzzing out there. Keys um, just get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard, see if good things will happen for us. Yep, we're back. Episode 22, just dishing it. Joined as always by Derek and John Tudes Tudor. Tudes from his mom's basement today. It's good, boys. Tudes, get right into it. I'm not even going to lie. Derek last on this one. Yeah, yeah. no, we got to hear this. Yeah. No, uh, I told you guys I had a good one to kick it off today. So, uh, yeah, basically, I uh, Monday morning, I was in my apartment, walked out in the kitchen to grab some coffee before I logged on for work, and I go out to the living room. And there's a bat flying in a circle around my living room. So quick thinking, I found a way, like I got it out of the house, whatever. And I figured no big deal, like either my roommate or me, somebody like might've just left like the balcony door open, like was hanging outside, having a drink and it flew in. No big deal. Nothing in the house on Tuesday. So I think I'm in the clear. Last night I go to bed at like 10 o'clock and I turn my TV off. I'm laying there for like 10 minutes and I hear something and I roll over and I see like a shadow in the air and I hear a flutter and I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. So I literally pull the covers over my head and I call my roommate and he's in his room, like down the hallway and he didn't even know I was home. So I was like, Hey, can you uh, turn the hall light on and uh, come open my, my door? He was like, wait, where are you? It's like, I'm under the covers right now. A bat just like is flying circles above my head and like bumped into the covers like above my back. So like, I don't want to stand up if I can't see because I don't want this thing flying in my face. So he opens the door and just yells, fuck, because it flies in his face. He grabs one of my shoe boxes from my office in the next room over. He's swinging it like a baseball bat knocks this thing out of the air and the box is on top of it. So I'm standing at the end of my bed, looking down at this thing. And he, he's like, all right, I think I killed it. He lifts the box up and he like opens it up. The fucking dick flies down the hallway again. And then we gotta knock it down out of the air again, finally get it trapped in the shoe box, take it outside, get it out of the apartment um, so at that point it's like 10 30 last night. And I was like, I don't really want to sleep here right now. <laughs> um, so I, I got in the car, I threw my work laptop and uh, charger in the car and drove to, uh, my parents' house in Rochester last night. And, um, that's how I ended up podcasting in my mom's basement today. I mean, Glad you're all right. Glad nothing bad happened there. You know, no bites, none of that stuff. No, no bites. The landlord went there this morning and he said there was nothing, no bats in the attic. And he found like where they got in and he plugged it up and he plugged in like the holes and stuff. So there's, you know, no, no further damage can be done. But uh, yeah, not exactly what I thought. Um, you know, I told one of my coworkers that today and he's, he was like, man, that's actually kind of cool. Like you might be the next Bruce Wayne. That's kind of how Batman begins starts. Like get your little bat phobia now. And, you know, so we'll see if I get to drive that kind of car, that'd be, that'd be kind of dope, but yeah. Or the motorcycle. Yeah. It's all cool. I'll take I'm that just, paycheck. I'm picturing Tudor rolling up to beer league in a, in the, uh, the Batmobile. 
Yeah, right. Jesus. I wonder if different um, memes will get a hold of that one. Oh, God. Yeah, so that was my uh, – that's been my week so far. So here we are on Wednesday. Um, already pretty burned out this week, but I'm excited for the episode. Yeah. Got a phenomenal guest, one I have been trying to get for months. He's tough to nail down. He is a busy man. There is a lot of good stuff we're going to go over here. Going to be a great conversation. I'm very excited. Everybody, please welcome Adam Kellerman, owner of The Seller and Project 816 hey, how's going, Studios. Man? How's it going, Adam? What's up, buddy? Thanks for joining us, man. Glad you made the time. Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's a crazy story about the bat. I actually had <laughs> a uh, similar thing happen with a bat in an apartment. We ended up getting it out, but it was flying around in there for like an hour before we finally coaxed it out the door and got it right? outside again. Oh. Did you yeah, use a shoebox too, Adam? Terrible. So we didn't use a shoebox. If I remember correctly, we were using a broom or something in stick form and just trying to like shoo it away. And finally, we're actually in an upper apartment, so there were stairs to get down, and we had to get it down the stairs and out the oh. door. Oh, gee. See, that's what I did. First, uh, we were trying a window. The window didn't work. And Oh, man. Oh, dude, it's – and they're, they're wild, too, yeah, right? Like, when they're in your apartment, they're just, like, flying in circles, and, like, it's weird. Yeah, it's oh. – I haven't had oh, a run yeah. with a bat yet, thankfully, oh, yeah. but I'm very much like Ace Ventura when it comes to bats. Just keep them away from me. It's, Get the yeah, the creepy little things. But right. Anyways, I think that might be on the bats as well. I think we might have set a record on a podcast for most time spent covering bats. That's not nature related. (laughs) But Adam, I want to jump right into it, man. Obviously, you you do you were doing amazing things. Project A One Six, the studio space. Um, obviously with the seller too. I want to kind of obviously start at the beginning, like specifically with the seller, like where did it all begin for you and, you know, the partners and stuff, like as far as your interest in, you know, the streetwear, the, the resale of shoes, clothing, all that sort of stuff. Take us through that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it basically started when I was younger, just being really into shoes, really into, into clothes and things like that. Um, my interest just kind of grew and grew and I started my own personal collection of shoes. I was a huge sneakerhead wearing different sneakers every day. And it just came to a point where I had too many in my house. I actually had like a room dedicated in my apartment to just storing shoe boxes and like little collectible items and things like that. So eventually it became to be too much and there was an opportunity open to get a storefront and we kind of just took the leap to get, get the storefront. It was me, my current business partner and one other guy who is no longer um, part of it, but the three of us teamed together and, and took over the space that was on Elmwood, um, which is now our old location. We have a new one now and that's, that's pretty much how it started. Um, I guess to take it back a little bit further, I did start like a little Instagram resell business for a little while before I opened the shop. So it was kind of like a good way to like 
get my feet wet a little bit and understand the the business side of it a little bit more but it, it didn't last for too long uh, i probably had the instagram and the the little resale account for like a year and then the store followed right after that's awesome what is what are some like um some like early favorites like some of the first pieces you remember that really kind of helped draw your interest into the whether that's you know the streetwear clothing yeah. or the sneakers specifically do you have some early pieces that really caught your eye that you still remember yeah definitely so i was i started with the sneakers and i was really into sneakers and then it kind of led into like the streetwear thing and at this point in time supreme wasn't what it is now it's obviously it's like a household name at this point almost everyone pretty much knows what it is mm-hmm. um Back when I first started doing it, it wasn't that popular yet, but it was starting to get there. Um, so I went to New York City to, or I would went to LA to visit a friend and I was just hearing about this brand and it kind of like piqued my interest and went to the Supreme store for the first time in LA and bought a hoodie, which I still have today. I've kept it this whole time just because oh, it was like awesome. the first thing that I ever bought. And then sneaker wise, there was a pair of Ferrari 14s, Jordans, that I that I was, like, obsessed with. And I think that that was, like, one of the shoes that, like, really got me into the whole collecting and trying to resell to pay for the shoes that I wanted to keep kind of thing. That's sick. Do you... Um... Do you find yourself now on on the business side of it? I mean, obviously, you're still an enthusiast and a collector yourself. So, like, do you get stuff that comes into the door now that, you know, the intention is, okay, like, we're going to sell this for, you know, the business, and you're just like, I don't know, I can't let this go. Like, this is going in the personal collection. (laughs) Yeah, all the time. Literally, all the time. And it, and it, in the beginning, in the beginning, it was really hard. Like when the store first opened, obviously we were like so excited and it's such like a big thing. And I was like, this is like almost five years ago now. So I was like young and still like learning how things worked. And I mean, it was almost like every day that things would come in and I would be like, I, I can't do it. I'm not selling it. Like it's got to stay. And because of that is probably why I have way too much shit right now. <laughs> that I just refuse to let go of. It's just like in storage units and packed away in boxes and just all over the place. Now, fast forward to now, I've like learned to not do that as much and to take the money over the item and keeping it in my personal collection. It's yeah. tough though definitely that's got to be tough yeah i mean there's so many things that probably come through your door that obviously are are sought after items so i mean you you kind of get your hands on it before a lot of people do and i guess that's kind of one thing i wanted to ask you too and how that works because i know guys that go on to some of the different websites and they try to get you know different sneaker releases when they come out and all that stuff like you know, how do you go about just getting your hands on, on some of those items? Like, is it, is it just insanely hard for you as well? So really it's just all, it all comes down to like relationship building Mm -hmm. and, and time. Um, Just building relationships with 
different people that work at different stores. Obviously, I don't want to go like too far into detail yeah. with it, but different people working at different stores and a lot of like out of state friends and people that we've met over the years that they have access to things, however they do it. You know, we, we obviously don't ask questions to them as well. So just really like the core of it is just relationship building and just growing with people and building those relationships and having a business back and forth with just individual people and it growing over the years is really how it's gotten to where it is now. Do you have an item as far as, cause I know like when you guys have people come into the store to try to like resell stuff, do you have one that sticks out in your mind that came through the door that either was like, you couldn't believe like you can get your hands on this item or like, I don't know, just like any kind of stories, something like that, that really took you by surprise that somebody like had this, the shoe, this shirt, whatever it might be. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's probably been a few of those, but I'll be honest, like with us living where we do in Buffalo, there's like if we were in New York City or somewhere like that, there would probably be a lot more of that going on where there was like some crazy things that came in that I was like, wow, I've never seen this before or have wanted to see it. Right. Um, but being in Buffalo, it's a little trickier. I feel like people here are more into like the general hyped up things as opposed to like the deep rooted collector kind of things, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if I had to like pinpoint one item, I don't know if I could think of something off the top of my head. We, we did get, um, we've had people come in with some really big collections in the past where I've been like, wow, it's crazy that this one person has all of this stuff in one place. I think that that would probably be the best example of something like that. Yeah, that's, that's just so like cool one though. person with yeah. a lot of stuff as opposed yeah. to, sure. yeah, just, just like a person with one thing. All right. So how, how was that for you kind of talking about the Buffalo market, right? And I know you mentioned earlier, you got your first uh, piece of Supreme uh, clothing out in uh, LA, but like, is it, was it tougher yeah. to kind of get yourself rooted in in Buffalo versus like a fashion hub, if you will, for like an L.A. or a New York City or somewhere like that? Or do you find that maybe it was almost a little bit easier to break into the scene because you're really the only one doing it here? Like there's not a ton of high end streetwear uh, options in Buffalo. Yeah, so to be honest, I was kind of surprised um, when we first opened the, the shop. Um, I had, at the time, I was also like trying to build up like a whole nother side business, kind of a tangent, but I was like building up Instagram accounts and trying to sell them and like all organically, not, not like buying followers or anything like that, just kind of like building them up and then trying to sell them. And I had done that with this one account called Supreme Grid. That's what I was calling it. And it was just like outfit grids, but they had like a piece of Supreme clothing or a sneaker or something in the outfit grid. So I had built that one up and we were getting ready to open the shop. 
And because they kind of related to each other, obviously the people that were following the Supreme Grid were also going to be into the store. So I ended up converting that account over. But when we officially launched and said that we were opening the store and put the Instagram out there, I was so surprised at how many new people from Buffalo that like jumped on and going to our grand opening. Our grand opening was insanity. And I was like completely blown away. I was shocked at how many people were there. That's awesome. Yeah, I love yeah, to hear that. Was, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and even too, as someone that's, you know, obviously with, you know, Just Dish and, you know, we've done pop-up shops at the old location, which will always be a place near and dear to us, you two and the partners as well. Special place for sure. Right. And even the new one too, can't wait to get in there. But do you have some favorite uh, pop-ups or, or events that you guys have done, whether that's old location, new location? I know, obviously, at the new one, the grand opening was awesome. You've had some some good stuff in the past too there as far as like pop-ups and events do you have like a favorite one or a, or a favorite memory from one yeah i think um we we've done a lot of uh pop-ups with like west side gun and griselda and all of them um and bef we were doing them at the old shop with them before they blew up so I think that there's one in particular that I remember that was just huge. And the whole store was packed full of people. The whole front of the store was packed full of people. There was just really good energy. Everyone was having a good time. It was like an all day, all night thing. I think we stayed open like two hours later than we normally would. And like there were no problems. There were no issues. Everything ran smoothly and like, any pop-up or event that we do where like everything runs smoothly and there's no issues to me, that's always like a good one. And ones right. that I definitely remember, you know, yeah. but yeah, I would say that one of, uh, one of the ones with, with Griselda before the whole like shady records thing and all of that, that was probably one that I'll, I'll never forget just cause it was right before the kind of jump that they had in their success. So it was cool to see that. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. I want to kind of transition quickly because obviously another huge piece for you is videography, photography, and that side of your, your business too, which I know you have an amazing passion for. Where did you, where did that all begin for you? I know, I, again, I want to go back to the beginning on just like we did with this, uh, the seller stuff, but where did that all start with your interest in the video photography stuff? Yeah. So, uh, it really all stems from, from the shop, honestly. Uh, when we first opened the shop, we started the website and I had this crazy idea that we would every single night we would do what's called, we call it a night shot where we take like all of our new items from the day and they get posted on Instagram and then they go out for sale the following morning. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other uh, stores around the country that do the same thing, follow that same business model. There's a shop out of LA called round two. They're the ones that like originated that. Um, but my idea was to not only do it in store, but to also do it on our website as well so that people that were out of state would also have access to all of that new stuff. Uh -huh. So sorry, there's a 
there's a fly in here. At least it's not so, a bat. Uh, they, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so because we were uh, constantly uploading new stuff on the website all the time, I obviously wanted the photos to, to look good as well. So I ended up buying a camera, using the camera to take the website photos. Now we just do it on our iPhones because the iPhone camera is so good. But then I was using my camera and that's kind of how I started playing around with the camera was really just like taking pictures of sneakers and, and messing around at the shop just to have like some new fresh content for the Instagram and it really just took off from there, man. It was never, uh, it was never my plan to do anything camera related whatsoever. Like not even a little bit, it was never even on my radar. I think that there was actually a time there too, for a little while when the shop first opened, I used the camera to do some things around the shop and then the shop got busy. And for a little while there, I didn't even pick up that camera. It probably sat at my house and collected dust for like a year or two. And then finally, a little bit later, I ended up picking up the camera again and just getting more into it. But yeah, that that's pretty much how it started. So what about the video side? How did it progress from there? Because obviously, the you know, the photo started first with the sneakers and stuff. When did what was the first stuff for all your video work and everything? So same thing. It was for the shop. Uh, we I think think that it was for our grand opening if I'm not mistaken I probably still have the video somewhere but it was like the first video that I ever made and I think just like seeing other content online like other video content I was kind of just interested in it and I was like well I have a camera already and I'm like the kind of person that wants to try everything and like will try everything at least once just to see if I like it or if I can get into it. And I decided to just shoot a little like promo video almost for the shop. And after I made that first video, I met a friend who he was kind of into it. And he gave me some pointers on the video that I had done. And I was like, wow, this is actually kind of fun and also really cool and also beneficial to the business. So yeah. I just kept it going, man. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a lot of that relatable with, you know, for us on the justice and skate skin side too. But, you know, it's, it's just kind of a thing that ends up, it checks a few different boxes for you business wise, right. almost like a hobby too. Like that's great. But uh tutor you got, what do you got? Yeah. I, uh, I want to ask you a little bit too about the, uh, the studio space. I mean, I see you're in there now. Um, had the opportunity to get there a couple times with uh, with Cavo. Unfortunately, you weren't there the the times I was able to stop by. But um, okay. yeah, tell tell us a little bit about you know how that came about getting into the studio, and then I mean you guys put so much work into that because that was just a, a garage right before that. Yeah, yeah, man. It was uh, it was definitely a lot of work. Um, the whole studio thing kind of started. I was starting to build like a good little client base um in buffalo and outside of buffalo also but i had basically set up a makeshift studio in my apartment at the time in our dining room 
and pulled out like the kitchen table, all the chairs, set up a backdrop, like all of the equipment that I had at the time and was kind of using that when I needed to do studio stuff. And I was more so doing like events and recaps and things where I was going places to shoot, not necessarily shooting in a studio. But I was always super interested in like the studio work. And I think in order to progress in the, in that industry, you kind of, you need to get a studio at some point because there's only so much you can do without one. Right. So I was like at this point in time where I, I felt like I needed to progress and that I needed to do more. And the only way to do more was to get a space of my own and be able to kind of create different things and, and do other things that I wasn't able to do outside of a studio. So me and my girlfriend were looking for a salon for her. She has a, a hair salon. And while we were looking for her salon, we were bouncing around to some different locations. One of the locations that we looked at, they happened to have like an empty garage kind of space in the back that we walked through to look at another space. And I was like, oh, like, what's up with the garage? And they were like, oh, you want to rent the garage? And I was like, hell yes, I want to rent the garage. So they, they, they were literally getting zero dollars for it. So my landlord was super pumped that like someone was willing to pay for this like beat up shitty garage space. So I ended up taking it and we revamped the whole thing, man. It was a lot of work. Me and Nick put a lot of a lot of work into this place, getting it ready. It probably took like a month and a half or so just to get everything cleaned out and painted and fixed up and all that stuff. And it's still not like 100% there, but I don't plan on staying here forever. So I'm not putting crazy amount of work into it, but... I think it serves its purpose right now, which is which is what matters. Yeah, the, the work shows, man. I mean, it's I I'm impressed. Like stopping in there, I mean it it is a, a really professional setup you guys have in there. I mean, and obviously the uh, the client base speaks for itself, right? Like seeing some of the the people that have come in to to get photos and and videos done by you and Nick and. Uh, and everything there. I mean, it's it's cool, man. I mean, you guys have had some pretty high-profile people in there. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, like I said, it's a work in progress, but definitely lucky and grateful to have the clients that I have. And I think build just building off of that, having the studio allowed me to reach those more high-profile clients and get those higher-paying gigs. Um, obviously a studio makes things look and seem more legit and I'm obviously able to produce higher quality work than I otherwise would have been able to. So yeah, just having the studio has been great and super grateful for Nick and all the work that he's put in and the time and just everything that he's done helping put the studio where it is now. It's been great. Yeah. And, you know, even from like, you know, my end with, you know, seeing what he brings to the table each time we, you know, with skate skin stuff or just dishing things like everything that he's learned and all the growing he's done, like, it's amazing what you, you know, you've been able to do for him, what you guys have been able to do for each other. And 
yeah, it's even just spending time in the studio, yeah. even when you're both there, you, you feel it. Like it's one of those environments now that you guys have created there. Like it feels there's a good energy in there, even if it's just people sitting at computers, like, you know, some casual tunes on or whatever, right. just like seeing like the pictures behind you, some of the, you know, shots that have been in there, some of the good high moments and all that stuff. I mean, it's just like a beautiful yeah. creative space that, and just even like I was, I was thinking too, when Tudor was talking that picture that um, with the, like the, the John Deere Gator, when it was just like the garage <laughs> yeah. and then like the after yeah. one too that was going around, I think, was it, I think Maddie might've yeah. done it or he did like the before and after thing it's just, it sums it all up. It, yeah. It's truly amazing. And, you know, being able to spend the amount of time there that I have, like, I'm really humbled to even be able to witness it. And, and even, like, there too. even like you said, yeah, Danny, man, like, it's, it's been a, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut. Oh, I, okay. I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been great having, having the space and just, my whole plan with this place when we first got it was just to make a creative space for like me and a couple other guys. And kind of at the time I wasn't, when we, when I first was like figuring things out, I didn't even know that it was going to be Nick. I wanted it to be Nick, but I didn't know if he was going to be busy doing other things or what was going to go on. So mm -hmm. I was like, bro, can you come help me with the studio? <laughs> like I can't really pay you right now, but I promise that I'll get you a shit ton of jobs over the time. And like anytime you want to use the studio to shoot dishing stuff or like whatever, you can use it whenever you want. So that's like kind of how it started. But the plan was always to have it just kind of be like a chill, creative environment um, instead of like a uptight don't touch anything or you're going to break it kind of studio. You know, I never wanted it to be like that. I wanted people to like feel comfortable, like kicking their feet up on the couch and like cracking a beer open and hanging out and, you know, that kind of thing instead of very like corporate vibe. Yeah. You created that to a T in my opinion, man, as someone that's spent a fair amount of time in there, that's 100%. Like you, you guys fucking nailed it, but Tudor, I know you were going to say something there. We got some. Yeah, no, and, and Adam really hit exactly what I was what I was thinking there with just it's it's incredible, too, because like just going in there and sitting down, you just like want to be working on something like I don't like it's just weird, like the energy in there. It's like you go in and you're just like, man, like I want to work on like whatever I'm working on, whether it's like a side business, whether it's stuff for for um whatever and like i remember too like going in there for uh the shoot we did with the off-white skates and benny uh benny and i walked down the street grabbed the grabbed the case of beer come back to the studio and we're just sitting there like hanging out and then like 20 minutes later nick's like all right let's shoot and we're like climbing up top like getting fishing wire up there so we can do like the rotating <laughs> shots. And I was like, yeah, I was like, damn, like, are, are we good to do this? And he's like, Oh yeah, like we're good. And it's exactly what you said. Like, it's just, it's chill and nobody's like, damn, I'm afraid to touch anything in here. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's how it should be. You know, that's, 
like how else do you get into like a creative like zone like that you can't be just for me personally like this this could not apply to other people but for me personally i can't be in like a corporate environment where i'm like you know at a desk or in a cubicle or just like where there's other people like outside people watching what i'm doing i can't like get in my creative zone in a in an area like that so i just kind of created exactly what i needed to be able to be creative if that makes sense it makes perfect sense that segues right into what i was gonna ask you like i mean obviously you just touched on the environment the the physical environment that you created there at the studio that works best for you do you have any like any tricks or stuff that you do just to kind of start maybe before you even get to the studio for a, a day of work like anything that you do or you know little tricks you use that help you get into that mindset so to be honest bro i don't and like <laughs> also to be completely honest there's some days where like i'm just not in that mindset and like i'll sit in front of a computer screen for two hours and not get anything done i just feel like it's it's normal and it's natural to be like that and i don't think that people should beat themselves up if they do get in those zones because you're gonna get out of it i mean there's like people talk about like writer's block yeah. with writers where they can't write anything you know i think that creatives have that same issue sometimes i definitely do and it's just like maybe other people have tricks of of getting out of it i personally don't i just wait for it to pass and i still try and go through my normal daily motions and and try and work on whatever project i'm working on to try and spark something to to get it back going but yeah it's just some days man you just can't get into it i feel like even people that work nine to five jobs maybe they love their job but some days when you go in you just can't get into it that day i think it's just normal yeah it's interesting it's almost like your trick if you will is just consistency like you just keep chipping away and yeah you, you know through experience you know you're gonna break through that and i mean it's not really a trick that's just doing what you feel is right but in in some ways it kind of is where it's just like keep that consistency going and you'll find the find the right path <clears throat> yeah definitely yeah and it's some days it's harder than others you know you just gotta push through the worst thing is when you're in the middle of like a client project with a deadline or something right. and, and then that happens and you're like really struggling to to make it work but luckily that doesn't happen often <laughs> yeah that's that's good wouldn't want that but speaking of like uh deadlines and clients and stuff is there you know, a past story, you know, I, I mean, there's everyone's got funny ones, you know, coming up when you're first learning the ropes on things. Do you have any like funny, like horror stories about like doing a shoot and you didn't have your memory card in or something? Like, do you have any good ones of those that were like really big lessons for you going forward that you'd want to share? Oh, he's getting a sip of water yes, ready totally. for this. <laughs> yeah. So, there's one that stands out the most um it was for like at the time this it was probably my biggest client at the time they're still a client of mine now they're not as big of a client now as they were then 
but I had shot an entire wedding at this venue, which the venue was my client, is my client. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had shot the entire wedding. Luckily, the footage wasn't actually for the bride and groom. It was for the venue. But I completely wiped the memory card without transferring it to my hard drive and oh. didn't realize. So I lost all of the footage. Oh. I think I actually like made something up and was like the memory card like cracked and like I can't get any of the footage off of it or like something <laughs> stupid. Yeah. And it's just like things like that happen, un- unfortunately, and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. But you just have to try your best to not do something like that (laughs) especially for like I would think that a wedding is probably the worst thing that you could do it for because that's like a the one day of your life that is super important and that never gets repeated whereas if it was like an event or something else maybe there would be another one of those events or whatever and you could get the footage next time but yeah it was a whole wedding man and the whole the whole thing got got wiped out Luckily, I like, didn't lose that client. I still have them as a client, so that's good. Are you, uh, are you like, triple checking and, like, backing up all your stuff, like, immediately, like, every day now? Like, yes. Oh. Yes. Like, totally lesson learned there. <laughs> I have more hard drives than I probably know what to do with. I keep them all in a fire safe also. Just in case the building burns down, I still have my footage. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I have a bunch of like portable hard drives that I use. Um, I'll fill those up, then I'll back them all up onto like a home base drive, which lives inside that fire safe. And then once those portable drives are full, I'll actually keep those full, throw those in the fire safe and just buy a whole new hard drive. So I never like wipe anything anymore. I just keep compounding hard drives, basically. Wow. Wow. Which so is that's that's become your new sneaker box, but... right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Man, that's that's wild. I mean, thankfully it wasn't like you said for the bride and groom because that would have been an unbelievably yeah. hard conversation to have. Because you, you know, at least if you're in the studio and you realize that you've wiped a couple things, you can be like, "All right, let's run it back. I want to get a couple more angles or a couple more shots." Like. You can't really run it back with a wedding, right? Like, <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. That, exactly. Hey, can you do the I, I do thing saying. again? <laughs> yeah. Hey, okay. time, time out, guys. Uh, Get the priest back up there, or whatever. Let's let's go. We gotta we gotta run this back. Damn. That's hilarious. Yeah, would but be yeah, ter- was, would be terrible. Yeah, I was for sure. When you first started that story, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> then, like, luckily it wasn't the bride and groom. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Think I'm glad that I learned my lesson on that one, and it and it wasn't like an actual wedding or something else. Right, that would have and, been terrible. And also, luckily, it was a client that had already been my client for a little while, and yeah. we had never had an issue like that before. So it was like a one-time thing. I was like, sorry, yeah. this happened one time, and it wasn't their first shoot ever with me. If if it was their first shoot ever with me, they probably would have never hired me again. So yeah, right. it was a good, it was a good time to learn the lesson for sure. Absolutely. Speaking yeah. of that, do you find it is when, you know, talking about, we've talked about networking and stuff too, but I feel like in most things in life, you know, the first impression is huge. Is that still 
obviously that's pretty seems like it's very relatable to you know whether that's the the seller stuff but especially the video and photography work for your clients that you do is that something you find to still hold true in that side of the business yeah i think so um i think in in the photography and videography industry i think that your work speaks for itself a lot of the time and most of the time if someone's going to hire you they're hiring you based on something that they've already seen but you could you could i guess say that that's the first impression like them right. seeing one of your videos or one of your photos for the first time like that is the first impression but i think it goes a step further and then it's okay let's have a conversation either over the phone or in person or whatever and i think that that first impression in person also makes a really big difference too um i've talked to like some models and some other people that have shot with photographers or videographers in the past where they just have had horrible first impressions with them and not wanted to shoot with them after that so yeah. I think it goes both ways. You could you could have really good work and then have a horrible first impression with someone and then that kind of makes it weird because they want to hire you for your work but then don't like your personality or whatever the case may be. So I think it's good to just hit try and hit both, you know, but first impressions yeah. are definitely important. Have you ever had that happen on on the flip side, right, where where somebody either hires you for a shoot and you do it or a first impression where you're like, man, I, I really don't know if I want to work with this person again. And then, you know, you choose to not do that or do you, is it pretty much like, you know, you, you take whatever, whatever comes in if they're going to pay or. So, I mean, I would say when I was first starting and for, for the first little bit, I was, I was taking any, anything I could get, whatever I could get just to practice and, and learn and, and figure out more of the business side of things and really just like practicing my craft and editing and everything. So I was taking all of it as much as I could. Now that I'm a little bit more established and I have the ability to turn people away or turn jobs away. I'm a little bit more selective with certain people that I work with or certain jobs that I take. Um, because I've tried so many different things, I feel like now I know what I like to do and I know what I don't like to do. So there'll be times where someone will ask me to do a gig and it's not something that I want to do or that I'm interested in doing. My first thing is, let's see if Nick wants to do it. And then if Nick doesn't want to do it, then it basically just becomes, okay, then it's probably not going to work. And I'll just be honest with the client and say, I don't think that we're a good fit for each other. And here's somebody else that I would recommend for you. And, you know, that's usually the end of the conversation. Yeah. I try to just be super transparent. Yeah. But, and I'm sure they appreciate that too, right? Because if it's, if it's something that, you know, you either don't have time for or you're, you know, it's, it's not that good fit. Like you talked about, I mean, I think having that conversation and then also following it up with a, Hey, I also know this guy, he does really good quality work. This might be a good option. I can get you in touch. Like that goes a long way. I'm sure too, for your reputation is like, Hey, that, you know, it didn't work with this guy, but he yeah. helped me out. Um, I wanted to ask you too, right. like, do right. you, yeah. And 
I'm sorry. We might we might have a little bit of a lag. Yeah, we're in a bit um, of a delay, but no but, worries. But uh, no, I I wanted to ask you too. Like, yeah, what is. do Go you ahead. have? Do you have a favorite kind of shoot? Like, is there one thing that you really love to do over everything else? Definitely um, product uh, shoots. I've gotten like really into that as of recently. Um, when I first started, like I was saying, I was doing a lot more of like events and like showing up to places and shooting like people and interactions and excitement and things like that. Um, and then now having the studio, I really have the ability to do product related things without a studio i couldn't do it so now that i have it and i got some practice doing product related things that's more what i'm gravitating towards now and i'm trying to do more of that that stuff really interests me because i think that the the creativity is endless when it comes to product stuff whereas when you're in person shooting events and things like that there's a ceiling on that stuff like you can only do so much. In the studio, I, it's endless possibilities. I can do anything that I can think of or come up with and that I have the tools to, to do. So that is really fun and exciting for me. And it's, it's also really cool to keep things different. Like I'm shooting a different product all the time. That product has different ingredients and, it's, and it has a different application and whatever. So it's all, I can switch things up all the time and do things differently. And that is definitely, the product stuff is definitely what I'm loving lately. And just got like two really big product clients that are going to put me through the next year or two. So I'm happy about that and just working with them and having the opportunity to do that stuff and continue to learn more because the product game is not easy at all. It's definitely one of the hardest things that I've shot, but it's the most fun and I feel like the most rewarding at the end of it. That's kind of funny too, because it it, can't, it comes full circle, right? That's kind of how you started with products for the yeah. seller. But then also like, it's funny the way you said that too, where it's kind of, it's hard because there are those endless possibilities, but to an outside eye, it would almost look easier, right? Because you're like, oh, you're taking, you know, pictures of clothing or shoes or whatever physical product, but it's not like a moving model that might be, exactly. you know, giving you a hard time with a, a certain <laughs> a certain uh, shot or angle or whatever. So it's like, it is, it is wild. I mean, just even going in, like, seeing... Um, so like in the the off-white shoot when i was there with nick when he had the fishing line going to spin the skate so that it looked like the skate was rotating when the video was slowed down i in my head could not conceptualize how that video would come to be on instagram and then nick was like oh no we do this stuff all the time like let me show you and i was like whoa like but it's just that kind of yeah. creative stuff that like i don't know you're like okay this is a hockey skate like what can i do with a hockey skate except set it there and take a photo of it but it's endless possibilities yeah and it's and it's the move like when you're working with people the movement is there like people are naturally moving and interacting with each other and they're constantly doing things so you always have something to shoot. 
with a product, it's just sitting there. So you have to make it move. You have to set everything up and make it flow nicely. And one shot leads into the other and it all has to be seamless. And it's, it's definitely incredibly difficult. And going back to the sneaker thing, it is kind of crazy. And I thought about that before. It's like, I'm like subliminally into product stuff again. (laughs) Almost like because that's how I started, but like not realizing it through the process. I don't know. It's weird, but it is definitely cool that I'm kind of going back to product stuff just on a way higher scale than I was originally at the shop. Now, what's your... uh... What's what's a day in the life look like when you have the seller, you have shoots, like how does that work? Like do you, are you spending, you know, the morning over at the seller getting stuff going and then afternoons at the studio? Like I mean, that's got to be a tough split, right? So, yeah, it definitely is and I'll say that it it was a lot more difficult before. Um, I'm super grateful for all the guys that I have at the shop without them. I wouldn't be able to do any of the other things that I do. They, they, I've had the same crew of guys working at the shop for a few years now. Um, it's fully staffed Monday through Sunday. I have employees there from open to close. So in reality, I could never go there and the shop would still run fine. I'm in constant communication with them all day long through a group chat, um, making sure that everything's getting done. And they're kind of just holding down the fort. But usually a typical day is I will pop into the shop at some point for an hour or two. I spend most of my morning at the studio then I pop over to the store for a little bit, then I come back to the studio, or I spend the whole day at the studio, pop over to the shop when we close, hang out there for a little bit, and then call it a night after that, or go back to the studio, one of the two. So it's really just bouncing back and forth, and it really all depends on what is going on that day. Is there someone coming into the shop that I need to meet? Is there something going on at the shop that I need to be there for? Is there something going on at the studio? Is there someone at the studio? Whatever the case may be, whatever's going on, I'm kind of just like bouncing back and forth between what makes sense. But like I said, with the guys that are at the shop, I kind of get to be a little bit more hands-off now. Um, For the first like two and a half years that the shop was open, I was there every single day, Monday through Sunday, open to close just like nonstop grinding. So it's nice now to be able to take a step back and I kind of do more of the behind the scenes things. Like uh, we just redid the whole website. I do all of like the interior design stuff inside the shop. So like designing all where the racks and the shelves and building everything and all of that stuff. So it's that's kind of a constant upkeep, but yeah, it's it's really like the shop kind of runs itself, man. It's great. I'm super grateful for that. It's awesome to have the guys there that do their thing and takes a little bit of the weight off of me and my business partner for sure. Yeah, their staff's amazing there. Always 
been great and helpful for you know us when we've done pop-ups there in the past even just being there seeing how efficiently they work for other pop-ups or other events the grand opening opening of the new location stands out to me so much activity buzzing around the you know obviously you're there too doing your content stuff so you you're focused on that with all the people coming in and out trying to get the good shots right. but it's a smooth run operation over there so you know shout out to you guys you the whole team over there doing an amazing job. But I wanted to say too, um, obviously we've talked about, you know, this, the full circle point tutor made, you know, this recent with the seller, how it's, you know, it's come along far enough to where you can kind of almost step back, focus on other things with the great staff. So being all of what you've been through the grind and the hustle and to get where you are, what are some early lessons you learned or some tips that you can give to people looking to kind of do their own thing, whether that's creative, start their own business? I know you got to have some lessons or pointers out there that, that you could share. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the most important things is to just be persistent and not give up on things quickly. I know for me, at least I was the type of person before I had the shop and whatever that I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I was doing lots of different things and kind of giving up on them quickly. And I realized that like, it pays off more to let it ride out and really to put the effort in over long, a long period of time, if you really want to see a good return on something. And you have to really build your business to, to get it to where it needs to be. And sometimes that takes years. I mean, it took four years for us to get the shop running the way that it is now. It wasn't always like that. And it was definitely a struggle to get there. But I think, yeah, just being persistent and working hard you got to put in the hours for sure i mean long hours tons mm -hmm. of long hours that i put in on on both sides of things with the video stuff and with the store um and i think delegating is also a really important thing if you have a team of people or if you can build a team of people to help you i was always the type of person that wanted to do everything myself and i quickly realized that you can't do that and it was tough for me to to let go of some things in the beginning like just as an example like running the instagram for the shop i mm -hmm. was always like so adamant that i would be the one running the instagram for the shop i had done it all the time and everything that i was doing was working well i couldn't see myself letting any of my employees have access to that for them to post or do whatever as time went on, I eventually really needed them and had to kind of let go of that. So now we all have access to the Instagram and we all take our turn posting and doing things to kind of stay on top of it. So I think delegating and letting other people help you is really important. That's awesome. That's a lot of good stuff. Um, Tudor, I'm, I'm pretty good, man. Do you have anything else for Adam before we get out of here? Yeah, no, I, I was actually going to ask something similar about that with advice. So I'm glad you got that, Benny. And, um, you know, Adam, I guess like the one thing to kind of cap it off is just, you know, w what are some of the things that you found have helped you work with other people, right? Like were those guys at the shop, were they friends before? Did they just come in looking for jobs? Like, 
you know, obviously you had a relationship with Nick, but like, you know, what, what's the key to, to working successfully with other people? So I think it, it depends on your role, right? Like what is your role within this other group of people? Are you in charge? Are you the boss of these other people or are you a team? Are you working collectively with them? I think if you're in a boss role, it's really important to make sure that you wear that hat and that you, even though these people are my friends and, and we've had relationships either previously or during the time that we're running this business together, I have to kind of be a boss to them sometimes, which isn't always fun and it's kind of uncomfortable and it's tough to do, but I think it's something that's really important. There always needs to be someone leading and someone that's making sure that everyone is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it's always really tough when you mix business and friends or business and family. I think it can be done, but it just needs to be done the right way. And that person that's in charge needs to know when the right time is to be in the boss role and when the right time is to be in the friend role. If you're in the friend role all the time, nothing is ever probably going to get done. So there's that. And then I think if you're working collectively as a team, it's just important to always hear what everyone else is saying and take everyone's opinions into account when you're making decisions and doing other things and not being super pushy or going into boss mode. If that's not your role. Awesome stuff, man. Look at him. I really appreciate you taking the time to jump on with us. This has been such a blast. Um, thank you always too for, you know, all the mentoring you've done for Nick, all the support you've given us at Justition with Skate Skins. You're always so generous with your time and supportive, you know, with what we're doing. And we're such an early supporter of us as we got out to Buffalo. So again, thank you so much for that. And thanks so much for joining us today, man. It was such a pleasure. Glad we were finally able to do it. Thank you, Adam. It's awesome. Yeah, man. Definitely, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Awesome, dude. Have a great rest of the week. Um, and we'll be talking to you for sure. Oh, Thanks again, Adam. Adam, oh. before we go, uh, plug, plug the socials uh, yes. for all your accounts, yeah, the seller, the studio, your personal accounts, anything like that. Yeah, so socials are – I'll start with my personal – is AKX Adam on Instagram. The studio is project.816. And then the shop is at the X seller. Beautiful. We'll be sure to tag everything. But thanks for listening, everybody. And Adam, thanks once again for joining us. Until yes, next time, everybody, we'll be seeing you later.